This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, which is the podcast of Practical Shepherding. I am joined in studio by Pastor Jim Sebastio. Jim, welcome. Good to be back, man. Thanks, Brian. Good to be back. With so, you. because you've been traveling, you were you just got back from a trip. Where where were you? What were you doing? I spent uh, twelve days over in the United Kingdom. I uh, preached at a little church in Northern Ireland, uh, a place called Mogherfelt. And then I uh, was over in the south of London, or south of London, doing uh, a pastor's fraternal, a ministerium, and then preached at a ladies' conference that was uh, had 20 different churches uh, in attendance, uh, ladies from 20 different churches, and then uh, preached at a, at a church in uh, south of London that I have a long-standing, almost 30-year relationship with. So you're not a lady, so how do you approach doing a ladies' conference as a man? Well, uh, that's not our topic, lady, by the way. No, it's not. Isn't. That's a good question yeah. because I think, obviously, I think there is a place for women doing women's conferences. These these were women that really wanted um, you know, a, a real preaching of the word to their souls, mm-hmm. and um, and so that's what I was asked to do. Really, come and preach the word. I dealt with uh, the subjects of fear and anxiety, which. Mm are relevant relevant to everybody but sure. i think it's a particular subject of relevance to to ladies sure um and so that's what i did that's what i dealt with excellent and how about you brian you were gone as well right you're out in california i was gone i was in california uh, i was there for uh, about five days i was um speaking at a conference exalted christ conference in vallejo california uh, at a church called community bible church which i found out when i was there that vallejo california is the most um, ethnically diverse city in the nation, I'm told. Wow. And this church, amazingly, it, it reflected that. I, right. I don't think I've ever seen diversity in a church, both generational, connected with ethnic diversity. It was a really special place. Um, did a conference there. My wife got to come with me. She did a couple breakouts for the ladies. And so we don't get to travel and do that kind of stuff. And we just had a great time being together. It was a lot of work. We Excellent. A lot of good ministry. But we got to tour San Francisco. Uh, for one of the days, we had one day off, and we I got saw to go. some pictures online. That was fun. That was fun. So, now, I assume you got your salary paid while you were in England, as I did in California. I did. Okay. Well, so that's important because we're going to talk about pastor salary. We get asked this a lot. I get guys emailing me all the time asking about how much should you get paid. Right. How do you go about establishing that with a church? I mean, it's a question that obviously needs to come up with every pastor, that every guy that's interviewing at a church. So we want to talk about that, try to kind of maybe tackle some of the basic questions that a yeah, lot of you and, may and be And really, you know, Brian, maybe one of the questions at the beginning is, uh, how is this different than a man applying for a job? Um, it's between two um, schools, uh, two firms. And very often he'll make the decision based upon who who pays him the most, and, mm-hmm. and he may even argue for his salary. Men in ministry might have a much harder time thinking in that category, yeah, because it sounds unspiritual, doesn't it? Uh, for, it does. for him to say, "I took one church over another church because they offered me ten thousand dollars more a year and another two weeks of vacation or something like that." Mm-hmm. That sounds very carnal in a way that if a man in our church was a lawyer or an engineer, we'd say, "Fine, good for you, glad right. you got it." Right. And if the pastor said that, you'd question whether or not he's converted or if he's um, Joel Osteen or T.D. <laughs> Jakes or somebody like that, right? Yeah, you're you're capturing the difference that it is from every other job in trying to establish these things. And so, and, I, and yet, pastors need to 
provide bread and milk and they do it, it's there's i mean the, the short answer is obviously there is a there's a spiritual sense of calling in occupational ministry that matters not to say a lawyer is not trying to sort through his own personal calling from sure. god and his job but but there is there's still the call for us to provide for our families right but that that's not the only issue in play when a pastor trying to determine what group of sheep he goes to care for and, mm. and a flock to care for and answer for on Judgment Day. So before we get into this stuff, though, I think the first place we need to go is we need to know what the Word says right. about how to sort through, one, whether somebody should get paid or not. Jim, what, what do you know a couple passages that, that yeah, speak to that? Yeah, there are several passages, Brian, that speak to this really quite forcefully and, and directly. And, and even though... Uh, I'll confess these are the kinds of things I have a hard time dealing with. It's, it's some of the hardest things I have to preach about are matters related to how a church treats its pa- treats its pastor because it seems like special pleading mm-hmm. when you stand up and say, hey, the, the Bible says you need to take care of me. The Bible says you need to honor me. The Bible says you need to, to follow my example. And, you know, all, all of those kinds of things sound like you're using the pulpit for self-aggrandizement. And I don't know about, all, I don't know about you. know men who do that. I, well, I, I do a four-week sermon series every year on taking care of me. I mean, don't you do the same, right? Uh, I don't. Oh, okay. Um, Never mind then. Well, okay, so several passages. Uh, one of them, a very clear one, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 14. Uh, and I want to just mention a couple of these things because we can be more spiritual than the Bible sometimes. And we can think to ourselves, well, uh, I'll go without because I don't want my good to be evil spoken of. Mm-hmm. The, it, preachers are seen to be always talking about money. Preachers are money grubbers. Right. So they come to a text like this, and ah, now here's my great opportunity to use the Bible to uh, fleece the flock. And, right. And that's obviously not at all what we want to encourage. Um, so 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 14. Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel, uh, I think is a very powerful text. And then I think in this regard of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 6, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. And Mm -hmm. then uh, perhaps the classic uh, text in this regard is is going to be uh, in 1 Timothy and uh, chapter 5. And here is, a, among other things, it's an interesting text because Paul quotes Luke chapter 10 and verse 7. Right. And it's one of the, uh, so here's a gospel quotation from the gospel. But he says there in uh, 1 Timothy five seventeen, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Hmm. And that passage is powerful in two ways to me. One is that be very careful of an ac- accusation against an elder. Right. And, and then the other part of that is saying that uh, an el- there are certain men, there are certain elders, pastors who are called to be compensated for their labors. Yeah, and even this matter of, of double honor, it's not just, I think we'll deal with, and we'll get into this, I guess, you know, the, the issue of not just barely compensated, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where you budget, you say to a guy, tell me exactly how much money you make or how much money you need every single month. 
and he's he's got it down to the to a penny, and they say, "All right, we'll give you a dime more than that," so mm-hmm. that there's never any savings, never, yep. never any thought that I might want to send my kid to college or that the family might, on occasion, be able to enjoy uh, a reasonable vacation. I'm not talking about you know, taking a family of six to the Bahamas for yeah. three weeks or something. Yeah. That's not what we're well. And something you at. something you do. I'm not sure if you know this or not about just in my circles in Southern Baptist life, the cliche is uh, and a lot of these guys listening to this may have walked into this church the, the cliche is the the leaders of the church say you know we'll keep him poor god will keep him humble right and so which is a which is a sad way of saying that a lot of churches specifically and intentionally do not compensate their pastors well mm-hmm. they miss what i think is the biblical call for a church to generously care for their pastor right in my mind that's the ideal a church that really wants to take care of their pastor right and a pastor that really is grateful for that and doesn't take advantage of that right and brian i think we have to begin by trying to understand or helping a church to understand what it is that a pastor does and putting a high premium on it yeah uh, we we all recognize that uh, certain jobs are are of a certain skill uh, that uh, that have had a certain amount of training. Again, a, a doctor, a lawyer, and you under you understand that there has been a, a lot of investment of time and education and skill to attain uh, to where you are. And as you're thinking through the issue uh, in, a, in a church and you ask yourself, all right, what premium do I put on what that man does? Mm. And that man is teaching the Word of God to me. He is opening up the Word of life. He's, he's helping me to understand who God is and what His will is and what salvation is. He's leading me uh, as a shepherd uh, into green pastures He's feeding me, watching over me, praying for me, counseling me. Uh, that That's what he does. And if you have the idea that what a pastor does is he gets online on Sunday morning, finds a sermon that somebody else did, and then uses his actorly skills to give a nice performance for 30 minutes and then spends the week uh, on the links or watching cat videos or napping. Or... Pastors watch cat videos, huh? <laughs> That's a whole other topic. Never mind. Was a, Never mind. <laughs> yeah, we need to do a podcast. I play that. golf. I don't watch cat videos, but that, I that, have that, a son that enjoys. <laughs> Never I, mind. Well, so all right. So we need to we need to recognize though that what's tricky about this is lawyers and doctors. Um, I have a dad that's a doc. I got a brother that's a lawyer. I mean, there you they, go. They, they tangibly can determine what they're going to get paid based on right. what what revenue they bring in but right. the pastors are different right it, it is different and i'm not saying it's on this it's on the same compensation but in some cases you have men that have had the same level of training yeah so for instance in, in talking through this issue uh in our on our diaconal board we have uh we have some men that are high-end high-skill men that get paid a whole lot more than I do. Mm-hmm. We have some other men that are more blue collar, right? And they get paid less than I do. Yeah. And, and you say, all right, you don't set the standard on what you know. What what does the guy make? You know, the guy makes three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars a year, and say, well, if you know my congregation's making that, I ought to make what the men are making. And then there's another guy who 
uh, is because he's a high school graduate maybe or perhaps not even a high school graduate and he's working a blue-collar job and he's a janitor and you say, all right, well, should a man who's had uh, four to eight years of uh, post-high school studies and who how, how do you figure how do you figure those things out yeah what's the target uh for what a man uh, ought to make and it's going to differ sometimes from congregation to congregation obviously a wealthier congregation will probably be able to take better care of a pastor than a yeah. a, a, a congregation that you know, people are generous, but they're they're not able to provide uh, that kind of a salary. Well, let's get into that with our churches, Jim, as an example, because you and I come from very, we're in the same city, but we come from two very different churches. Yeah, we do. And, and our and churches so, are in different places economically right now. And on, on opposite sides of the city in to, two totally yeah. different kinds of areas. And that's certainly reflected in the people who are part of our churches. Uh, so, you know, I'm in a, uh, I'm in the south end of Louisville. It's more of a blue collar area. Um, I, I don't have any rich people in my church. Like, so one of my challenges is even at the salary I'm paid, it becomes an interesting conversation that I make. I don't make a ton of money at the church, but I make even more than a lot of our, some of our folks in our church. Right. Uh, but then the example you gave is there's, there's clearly people who make more money than you in your church. Yeah, I think uh, we have one we have one at least one person in our church who's significantly wealthy yeah he's yeah. not a member but he's significantly wealthy yeah. so how so how do we sort through the, so the first question really we need to tackle is how do you determine how much really whether you should get paid or not is that really the first question yeah we so we ask? dealt with that i think the bible clearly teaches that it is a righteous thing for men who preach the gospel that they live of the gospel right and that people that receive the rich benefit. And again, I'm trying, here's what I'm talking about when I mean the, a, a, you put a premium on what on what a man does. How do you put a price tag on the person who led you to faith in Christ, right? who feeds you the riches of God's Word, who helps you to get through another week uh, facing the struggles and the trials of this life, who's there for you as often as he can be. Uh, he, he keeps his, his phone by his bed. If you need him at two, you need him at three in the morning. He's yeah. going to be there. And Paul uh, calls who, it a man worthy of double honor in First Timothy, right? If he but, and that's who, yeah, who rules the flock well. But right. how do you put a price on that? Is really right, the question right. everybody asks. Because on the one hand, I've had some pe- pastors say, and I, I've wrestled with this. I think I understand what they're saying. You can't pay me enough to do what I do. What I what I do is more important than what certainly is more important than what a, a football player does, what an actor does, what a singer does, who gets paid a yeah. gazillion dollars. Right. It, it's more important in some ways than what politicians do. It's more important in some ways than what doctors do. It's more important than what you know you you say. And yet, it is a it is a profession that is rightly geared toward lowliness, humility. Uh, it's not self-aggrandizement. This is not the place you go into to enrich yourself. And the men who do are men that we are evil men. You know, I mean, so, you know, the, the, the shepherd lays down his life for the flock. He's, mm-hmm. um, he feeds the flock, not himself. He doesn't go into this thinking, wow, you know, th- this is uh, the platform. And again, and for most of us, this isn't really an issue. But we, I think we do need to just you know, quickly lay that aside that that's not at all what we're talking about. Jim, I want to pause a moment and just, if you're a pastor listening to this, I want to encourage you just to receive what Jim said in that the work of a pastor is a good and noble and really important work. What you get paid should not and does not determine the value of what you do. Exactly. And so just receive that. 
you probably never get paid what you're worth uh, as far as how we, we judge those kinds of things. But what you do matters. And the goal is that God takes care of you, either whether it's through just a church or by vocation. So when we get into that, right. how do we And again, I think things? the scripture indicates that this is one of the ways you say to yourself, how do I thank this man who, again, led me to faith in Christ, who feeds me with the riches of God's word, who has helped me to understand my Bible, who's helped put my marriage back together, who's taught me how to be a dad or, yeah. or whatever it is, uh, who was there for me all the hours my kid was in the hospital. And you say, how do I... How do I thank them? You know, do I just, you know, in one of the ways the Bible teaches that you can do that is to allow him to be provided for. And, and what's the word we use, Brian? Do we say comfortably? And, and what we mean by that is it, in, an understanding of, uh, hey, lo- life's expensive. Um, I, I, I've seen your car. You've seen my car. Not impressive. <laughs> Either one. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know. Um, At least my kids uh, say so. It's not impressive. Right, it's right. Just, yeah. So, I mean, uh, how do you, you know, so you know, we're, not, we're not trying to live. Um, I, I have a comfortable home. It, it, it's, it, you know, it, it costs about a third of what most people's, uh, a lot of people's homes uh, in my congregation uh, cost. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, I have four kids. I've got, uh, we have kids in, 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 you know, paying for some Christian schooling. We, we do some homeschooling, some co-op. My son's involved in baseball. There are uh, fees involved in that. Uh, I, I, I need to provide insurance, uh, medical insurance. Uh, you know, you, you want to try to provide some degree of, of saving. Food costs money, you know, all of these things. And you say to yourself, how do you help it so that a man is able, again, on the one hand, he's not, He's not enriching himself at the expense of the flock. He's not taking advantage of his position. But at the same time, he's able to sleep at night without tossing and turning, wondering about, am I going to be able to feed my family? So let's, let's go here. This is the question I get from a lot of guys. Let's just get, ten, let's get real practical as we, as we kind of wrap this conversation up. And that's, how does a pastor help his church have this conversation? Because what a lot of pastors feel burdened about these things we're talking about, trying to find this balance, right. and they're trying to work through it in their own life, which is different from everybody. But then how do I bring it to my church, who in a lot of ways, most churches don't know how to think through this well, and have, and they're also dealing with wounds from previous pastors that right. harmed them. How, how, do, how do we, as pastors, talk to our churches about this stuff? Okay, so the first thing you need to do is, I, I think you need, you need to be able to have no passage of scripture no topic of scripture off limits you may need to begin a message like that by saying i recognize how this sounds uh, but i'm working my way through galatians i'm working my way through first corinthians i'm working my way through first timothy here it is mm-hmm. and, and and what does it say and you may say I, i'd find this far easier to preach at another church to help another pastor out and maybe it would be wise to say of a pastor is going to come uh, for a weekend to say, brother, would you mind addressing this issue mm-hmm. uh, from the scriptures? Because again, it sounds like I'm grandstanding. I- I'm making, I'm using the pulpit for personal gain. And that's really honestly not what we're doing, but we need to teach what it says. You also need to live in such a way and minister in such a way that really is a, a profit to the people. Yeah. So if you're the guy who who's not giving your time, not giving your labors, not giving mm-hmm. your efforts. And, and there are men like that. There are men who are not worthy of the hire. 
And there are men who are hirelings. There are men who take advantage of the flock. So ensure that you're doing as best you can, as God has gifted you, enabled you. You're doing the work that calls forth the love and admiration of God's people. I think you need to also be you know, soberly realistic. And, and that is to say, in, in light of your calling, in light of your congregation, what's realistic to expect or, or to ask of this, uh, of this congregation? And so you, you try to figure it out. All right, uh, if I'm renting a home or if I'm, I'm, I'm trying to buy a home, uh, again, you're not, you're not at, well, depending where you live, and maybe you're a pastor that's in Honolulu and an average house there costs $500,000. Mm-hmm. That's different than Louisville where an average you know, you, a house here is, is going to go somewhere in the hundred to $200,000 range. Right. That's on the low end of things. That's right. Um, well, and, and I think one other thing I would add to this is this is a really hard, so Jim's advice is good. It's another reason, to, one of many reasons to advocate to preach through books of the Bible because when the text allows you, it, it, lo- it doesn't look like a setup. You just deal with the text when it yeah. comes. But another practical way, I think, to deal with this, this is the way I, I primarily encourage guys when they contact me about this, is let somebody else in the church go advocate for you. It, it just it, So you've got a deacon or you've got another leader in the church. Yeah, and that's one of the real crucial areas, Brian, and maybe you've probably dealt with this more than in your circles and in my circles, yep. and that is often there is an antagonistic relationship between the diaconate yep. who t- tend to hold the purse strings or who do the budgeting and the pastor. Yes. So the, the the early years, those of you who know my story, this was a major issue because obviously I, there was a lot of hostility towards me by the current leaders that were in the church, and others had to go advocate for me, and even years down the road. Yeah. And I kind of had to live in poverty in a way before, in the early right. years just because I couldn't do anything about it. Right. The church couldn't afford to pay me anymore. And no, that's I a whole other issue, right? Right. So, But I think you know we did hit a time where the church had changed, but the the finances, because we just didn't have a lot coming in, it it forced me to have to push for a cut in my salary that nobody wanted to make. It was interesting. Like I I knew I saw part of my leadership had to be we're doing this. I know none of you want to do it. None of you even want to propose this. Yeah. But they cut a fourth of my salary about six years ago because of finances. I was going to go get another job, and that's how God used Practical Shepherding actually to launch, and, and that's how that became the other part of my job and where the other part of my salary got picked up. Yeah. You had a situation, Jim, years ago where um, you picked up another job. Would you talk about But what was behind those things? Was it a salary issue for you? Well, no. <laughs> boy, it's a big story uh, behind that. Um, I had... Uh, well, I don't know if I really. I don't want to share the story. It was something that happened just because be, it would be real it general. Would reflect, then. It would reflect badly on somebody. Sure. Okay. Um, but I got into a situation where um, I had been promised um, uh, from a family member a, a certain amount of money in order to purchase a vehicle right. from them. They said, "Buy the vehicle. I will then reimburse you." Yep. I bought the vehicle. Then they reneged. And so yeah. I had this uh, an unexpected, unincurred, you know, I, I incurred a debt that I had not intended yeah. to. So what'd you have to do? And so, I, you know, so you're not, I'm not going to go to the church and tell them, hey, you need to pay me more money. So what I did is on my day off, I spent uh, four or five hours uh, working um, in food delivery services, drove around a, a van, wore a little... Uh, Carbon's golden malted waffle hat on my head. and I just want uh, you to know, God 
had to have been working in that moment in a lot of ways, <laughs> as you described that, just so you know. Yeah, it, it was very good in, in a lot of ways, but you know, it was also, it was just the reality, okay, I'm a man, I have to provide for my family. This isn't the church's fault. Uh, I was getting, had that debt not been there, uh, I was getting paid enough uh, that I could, I could live reasonably and sensibly uh, within that. And you have to, you, you, you know, you get paid and then you have to budget your life according to that. So, is, is. so I, I know your church and you have a very generous church. You could have gone to them and they probably would have covered that debt for you, right? They're I would say pro- what they you probably did, would have. What you did was noble. I commend you for it. Yeah. But you, they, I know your church. They probably would have done yeah, if you some, asked some them Some probably would have done that. And and that's not right. And and in that sense, I think it, it was... Well, it wasn't I felt a, duped or I felt like I was stupid, you know. Well, so. I mean, it wasn't a gambling debt, you know. I mean, <laughs> it was not it was, a gambling so debt. There, there's some middle ground. The point is, is that, you know, you're, you could have asked the church. They could have done that, Correct. but they did. And But I think what you did was noble. And I think I wanted to mention that because if you're listening to this and, you know, you're, you're having to just kind of work side jobs, do whatever you can to make ends meet, just... I know that's hard, but God works in that, and it, hopefully, yeah. it's only for a time until yeah. the church. And, and sometimes, you know, I, I I had a situation just recently <coughs> where we got pressed financially. Uh, there was uh, it was just one of these things. It's just the, the dominoes sometimes fall. There's there's uh, a medical bill, car repairs, uh, and then there was a death in the family, and my wife and I needed to get to New York pronto. And it was going to be eight hundred dollars to get us up there, and it was toward the end of the month. Yep. And it was okay. What what are you What are you going to do? And I did ask. uh, I asked if I could get paid early. Oh. Um, I learned that from Peter Parker in the Spider Man comics and movies (laughs) that you could (laughs) always trying to go and get a get an advance on your salary. Uh, So. uh, I'd say you're good I, for it at this point in anyway, your life ministry. Anyway, I, I, I try to, act, you know, it, it, I didn't know what to do. So I I uh, thought I, I need to do this, and then there's still a little bit of month left. You know, again, it was just, it was an unusual thing. Yep. My daughter had to go to the emergency room. I have a $10,000 deductible on, in order to be able to handle insurance. Mm-hmm. So there was a $2,000 bill that came in, and, you know, you... I generally don't have two, three thousand dollars. You don't. Uh, I got it laying around all the time. What what are you talking about? I I was in my other pocket, (laughs) which was at the cleaners. So so I want to wrap up this conversation, but I want to tell you that if 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 you have questions about this, obviously these are case by case. That's what we deal with a lot when we get written or called about this stuff. So feel free to contact us through practicalshepherding.com. There's contact information there. And we'll be glad to try to help you if you just have some basic questions about this kind of thing. We know they're case by case. I'll be glad to forward them to Jim. I'm sure he'll just take all of your emails uh, on these questions. No, we'll we'll tackle them together. But if, if you have questions, send them in to us. That's the best way to access the, us in that way and in the resources that we have for the ministry. So I want to take a minute and pray for those, for those of you who are listening. God will give you wisdom as you try to sort through these things in your own church. Lord, would you give wisdom to these who are listening, whether it's a pastor who's trying to figure out a, a helpful way to have the conversation with his church, or whether it's a church member who wants to take care of their pastor, but they don't know how to go about that in their church. Uh, Lord, bless the conversations that would ha- be had. You know every situation. You know the needs of every pastor listening, and you provide for our needs. And we pray, Lord, you would help us to be content with the daily bread you provide for us. And that we would trust you for tomorrow and those provisions. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.